0: In another episode of Rec Talk. We have Andy Hallett from uh, Wired and RecSpan with us today. How are you doing, Andy? Yeah, really good, thank you. Thanks for the invite, guys. Well,
1: yeah, thank you for, we, uh, for coming on, taking yeah, the
0: journey. Happy for you to uh, happy for you to come on. Traveled far all the way from Cape Town.
1: Yeah, I came in especially for this. I fly back after. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no, I'm actually. Yeah. The ex- Did you get on just... the jet that we sent out for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, it's very good and like yeah. nice helicopter transfer. Lovely. Very good of the university to allow us to land there as well.
0: yeah yeah yeah. yeah, they're good like that I mean when we when we put as much football into the university as we do (laughs) (laughs) so um Andy I mean you're you're a um you're a a highly experienced uh veteran in the old recruitment game having spent a number of years over at S3 right
1: yeah um I think recruitment's one of those things where lots of people are in recruitment but not a lot stay um so I, I reckon there's probably only you know few thousand that have actually got more than sort of five to ten years tenure in the industry and pretty much everyone who does knows each other so um yeah I started way back in 1999 at Huxley Associates in the City of London.
0: For um the rest of the panel that uh, well I'll say the rest of the panel. but our behind the scenes team they um they weren't even around in 1999 were they? I was in year nine <coughs> but
2: I look older than you. So I mean, yeah. So this this is looks.
1: this is a really. I need to move to Cape Town. This this <laughs> this is a thing for me. So I was um, when I was doing a, a, a rollout of one of our tech products, S3. I, I used to say in the joke, oh, "I've been around since 1999." Some of the you know, you know, most of you you know are only just born there, and someone put their hand up and goes, "I wasn't born by the time you joined the industry," and that's when you know you've been in it a long time.
0: It's yeah, it's it's horrible, isn't it? I mean, it's Nathan's birthday today, actually today, and he was born in '99. And, um, Biebs, <laughs> you were, uh... Were 2004. 2004. 2004. Bloody hell. That's, I was in the army in 2004.
1: So what's, what's really scary is my, my son was born in 2007, and that's just made me feel really old, so... Yeah. And <laughs> um, and also that he should be getting a job really, really soon as well.
0: If only he knew somebody in the recruitment world who could help him with, a, with getting a job. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. That's a really good idea. <laughs> if only I knew someone who was any good at it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. There's um, there's what over a, a thousand people in the um, or a thousand recruitment leaders yeah, in, in in the yeah, wide network. Yeah,
1: we, we're coming we up to a thousand founders in in the in the group. So surely um, one of them could help, right? Sure, one of those. Sure, sure one of those could help. So, uh, but yeah, we're coming up to a thousand. Um, you know, we've been going about three and a half years, constantly adding. Um and shaping things and yeah we're we uh, we're growing quite nicely we've just opened um a new group for exclusively for sales directors and sales managers as well nice to see that so we've we've done very much catering for the founders um what we'll was the decision
2: like kind of process behind that
1: I guess it's around need so one of the things when we set up uh, required which is originally the lockdown leadership network so it it started like all good things after a you know couple of glasses of wine we're on a Myself and daughter were on a Zoom bar call on a Friday night. And I think we were the last two left on there. And we were like, we could do this. We could set up this group. And we we basically said, right, okay, well, we've started a WhatsApp group. Um, you know, daughter put a few people in, I put a few people in. And we said, just add other people. And by the end of the weekend, we had 200. And very quickly, we realised that... Um, we had yeah, it had to be relevant for everyone. Mm-hmm. So literally, I mean, had people like Russell Clements, who's the ex CEO of S three, and daughter's mates are ringing them up saying, "I'm a one man band," you know, "I'm in here with the ex," and and that's never going to be good for either of those guys. So you know, in terms of relevance and the like, so so we split it um down pretty much into three groups. um You've got. The startup group, naught to five, um, the dinghy. You've got five to fifty, which is the bridge. your scale ups typically, and then enterprise in recruitment. Anyone who's got to fifty heads, fair play. You know, you're doing very, very well, yeah, and that's right. pretty much enterprise. <clears throat> that so, in itself is a
0: challenge, though, isn't it? I mean, you're talking sort of fifty plus recruitment businesses. I mean, it's hard to even picture kind of fifty good consultants in in kind of your your local area. Never mind kind of within your niche, right? So. I mean, you you've been involved in in kind of supporting and and kind of scaling businesses
1: from from startup through to to what 50, 50 plus heads. No, no, um, you know, typically, you know, I I've not been involved in sort of taking people from that. I mean, that journey's a lot longer than I've been uh, been a consultant. So, but typically, I've seen it where we've scaled up offices, countries, teams at at, at S three. Um, to that time, and even by the end, you know, when we looked at uh, S three, when we did our sort of market mapping and looked at opportunities, looked at countries, if we couldn't get fifty people into the country, we wouldn't bother doing it because simply it just didn't um, cost in. So yeah, I mean, a lot of those people who have got to that, they're not overnight successes. You know, that's taken a good number of years, a lot of general organic growth, unless you're Levin Group and basically hiring a hundred heads every. Uh, every quarter then you know backed by some you know a a different model than the organic uh, method it's still gonna yeah you're gonna have to do those hard yards over a number of years well
0: me, me and you had that didn't we we were sort of year one in in our in our recruitment business and and recruitment entrepreneur approached us about about kind of scaling up and their their initial model was literally just guys hire as many people as you can get as many people through the door just recruit 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 and yeah that's basically how they pitched it to us like oh we're, we're a steroid injection for you guys and you get yourself from where you are now which is just the two of us at the time working out of a holiday inn to let's mm. get you an office in Birmingham and you can hire 10, 15, 20 heads and <clears throat> it turned our head didn't it because we went in we went a lot we started off as lifestyle and that that kind of conversation made us look at it and be like oh mate we could actually really make something of it but then when you think about kind of the the identity of your brand and your business it, it just we, we rejected them in the end because yeah, it's we hard to like... kind of balance that kind
2: of the culture is so important especially now right i mean but but then it was important but i mean right now kind of work-life balance and culture are the the main things that employers uh, employees are looking for um and, and i think it's hard to kind of maintain a good, strong culture and grow at that kind of exponential rate. Do you know what I mean? It's almost it's almost impossible to get that balance.
0: You know, you've got to... Sort yeah, you're giving it something. Yeah. You're either going to give up your culture or you're going to, yeah, you're going yeah, to give you're, up what you're, you're, you're... Yeah,
2: the culture either becomes growth and drive, growth and drive, growth <laughs> and drive and revenue, or it becomes a, no, 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 we're going to kind of... Get this team established and bring in a handful more people, get that established and bring in you slowly i mean what what in your experience what have you you must have seen both sides
1: of that so I don't necessarily think they're mutually exclusive. I've seen companies that the great companies are the ones that get it um, mm. and they get it both, and the reason they grow so quickly is the culture's so amazing, and they you know they hire great people and they look after them okay. Um, I was lucky to be a small part of a big machine and saw just how the original culture, the original DNA of the founders, uh, Bill Bottrell, Simon Arbor, just permeated all the way through the business. They were still in the business when I joined and um, left um, shortly before the uh, the IPO. But still, it was you could just see um, how that had gone through. And I would say I don't think I I think you can have an amazing culture, and I think an amazing culture actually, you know breeds that growth people will stay with you if they believe in the organization mm-hmm. um i heard a quote the other day and uh, hopefully i didn't get this wrong but um don't eat yellow snow yes <laughs> <I> definitely <laughs> definitely don't do that but it's it's effectively sometimes companies outgrow people and people outgrow companies the the best ones are the companies that are growing and their staff are growing along with them and mm-hmm. they're on that on that journey and yeah, I think you know. I don't think every company does it perfectly, but there are examples of companies out there that have done that. Yeah, you know, that real sort of cultural. Um, you know, have kept the culture and managed to grow very well as well.
0: So, if if I may, if I'm a recruitment business owner of, um, let's say, sort of four or five years, I'm I'm either a let, let's t- t- take like a a one director business. Who who has kind of grown and maybe hired two or three people? How what what are the foundations and the building blocks that this person needs to then start thinking about to get themselves to that point where they're becoming a forty fifty? Because I mean, at forty fifty,
1: really, you're you're probably going to be bought out by somebody at some point, aren't you? You'd be surprised, actually. There's um, there's not a lot of deals that happen in the recruitment market. I think it's 0.2 of one percent. You know, so your chances are actually you know being bought out are. You know, 0.2 of 1% so mm. it's pretty pretty low um, so yeah absolutely but I I think the first thing you need to understand is why you're looking to grow what does it give you there, there are some great lifestyle businesses out there there are some great individual businesses out there so the most important thing is you know what is it you're growing what is it you want to get to and you know when do you know when you've you've achieved that and I appreciate that changes and after you you hit that that peak you know what's the next one um, so, so for me, I think it's about being really clear on your vision of that because you'll be tested along the way. You know, you'll get to four or five people, the market will change a bit, someone will leave. Do you reply? You know, so actually, but if you've got that really clear vision that this is a ten-year gig, I want to get to this point. Um, I want to basically be in this situation where, I know, then all of those decisions become really easy. Do I take funding? You know, because actually, investment could actually you know, use your phrase, put you on steroids, could get you there faster. You know, you could, you know, having 100% of something that's worth less than 50% of something a lot more, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and also as well, investment can potentially give you advice, you know, it can give you support that you need. And so I think there's no right answer for that. And it really depends on the individual and what it is they're looking to achieve.
0: Okay, so if if the achievement is, let's say, in, in this particular scenario, I... I'm looking to build scale and then kind of take a step away from an active billing role and kind of just just be a a a force effectively within within my sector be that a niche sector or kind of a generalist is is there common denominators within that that I can look at and be like right if I get this right then I know that I'll start yeah is there a framework
1: that's like you do these you do these
2: six things and you know
0: that's it
1: yeah, I think, I think when I, when I first sort of, uh, when, when COVID came, I started my consulting business on the 3rd of March, 2020, I think when I actually started sort of, you know, ramping up the business, it was like this, you know, uh, two days before lockdown and I got locked down in, in the United Kingdom. So i due to go back and, um, and, and go and you know, live in Cape Town, but, um, yeah, I couldn't, um, I wasn't a resident, so uh, I got barred for eight months, basically. So I had nothing to do but start the business. And also as well, no one's spending any money, so no one's going to pay, for, you know, so what I did was just give away my time, I paid it forward, and I spoke to as many people as possible. It's probably the best thing I did because, you know, Andy, who worked at a 3,000-man business, what's he going to know about, you know, a company that's one or two people, um, hasn't walked in my shoes and they were absolutely right so what I did was I just talked and there are a lot of themes that were similar of spinning up teams spinning up countries but you know but for individuals and I pretty much came up with a framework that I think you need to be successful um and there are three things to it that first you need a niche okay if you're one two or you know you know even a 10-man company and you don't do one thing repeatably well then how are you going to compete how are you going to compete against um the, the you know the, the 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 big companies out there that and you know you see some big big specialists as well so you need to be niche and ideally super niche and really really good at what you do the second thing is you actually need to know what you're shooting for and what you're going cuz you'll be tested along the way you know by good tests bad tests and you've got to stay true to that and so it's working on what that end point looks like what that journey is And the third thing is, I call it courage of execution. Um, And it's around, are you doing all of the things that you know are right? So, really good example. Um, You know, you know you should be posting on LinkedIn. You know you should probably get yourself a podcast. You know that you should be, um, um, you should, you know, of update the website are you doing all the things now most people gravitate towards the things they enjoy doing they mm-hmm. don't do the hard yards and the dirt, you know they'll it, it's those things and and i remember it and i remember it for me actually i'm like you know start my own business i can code a little bit i'll do my website i'll do something simple. and i was about I was a month in i'm like you know i'm just not going to do this i'm going to pay someone to do it because I know I'm not going to get around to this. And I know if I was advising me, I'd be like, you're a consultant, Andy, you know, you, you want to show your credibility statement and currently you haven't got a website. So, okay, I need this and do it. So so for me, it's that you know, courage of execution that actually doing the things you need to, you know, that, 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 that may not often be comfortable. So if I would always score a business when I'm speaking to someone in start up those three things, clarity of proposition to their customer, clarity of where they're going and lastly that you know are they actually doing those hard decisions um just before we started you were you were sort of saying around um you know people starting up their businesses typically people. um the other thing i find as well is that most people who've been good recruiters can start a business they can start one they can bill um they have what's called i describe as an away from motivation so typically They've left an organization, they've either done it because they want to earn more money, or they didn't enjoy the environment, or they've been made redundant, or something's forced them to do that. And they sit there and they bill and they work hard and they you know they, they get going and because they've got to pay the bills, you know, they've got to put food on the table, um, you know, and they've got to get back to where they were. It's like and then the big issue actually is then when it's ah, oh, and now what? So actually that's why having that sort of north star that guiding point is really important and the sooner you can set that up you'll just run through that barrier but there's, there's quite a lot of i see a, a lot of consultants or sorry a lot of recruitment startups end up being lifestyle businesses not through choice but just because that's how they landed up if you to ask them then if you could scale it would you i think some of them would not everyone would and that's also fine.
0: yeah we know one or two people don't we who, who have kind of I'm always intent on wanting to scale but just can never quite yeah find, I, yeah find i was on, on the
2: phone to uh, my good friend mark Hopkins the other day and mm-hmm. it, it was he was like yeah you know i'm looking at hiring um probably next year now and i was like mark we've been speaking for six years and i'll tell you every year you say that and he's like i oh, know mate i know mate and he's got he's ex read and like he's managed multiple big teams and that kind of thing but i think
0: and he it's, knows his stuff he's a good recruiter yeah, his client's buy into him
2: it's, it's very easy I think When not very that, that's unfair it's easier I think when you're a employee of a business who gets salary and all the rest of it and then is told to grow a team because yeah. the risk isn't on you the risk is the only thing the only thing you could do is possibly like mishire somebody in which case you'll get rid of that person and bring somebody new in um And the best case scenario is that person will come in and do great. When it's your own business and it's your own money or your investors' money that you're spending, you really do start second-guessing every little decision that you make. And I think that anxiety piece is probably what puts a lot of people off, kind of going, if I just take my eye off my billings for even a week to focus on interviewing for my next two members of staff that I bring in, that's a week's worth of billings that I'm not doing and I can't stretch myself that far. And then if I do it and I bring in the wrong people... That's not just a week's billings that I've put on the shelf, but also potentially a month or two months worth of salary as well, that I either could have paid myself or kept in the business that I've paid somebody, because not everybody can run a business, not everybody is a business person, right?
1: No, absolutely, and and, and that's why it's important to have a five-year plan. So you know, for me, when I you know when I looked at the cost of the website, I didn't you know to use my example, I didn't look at it as X thousand pounds. I looked at it as, actually, that's really cheap over five years. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to be doing this for a minimum of five years. Um, probably a lot, lot longer, actually. Um, <laughs> Didn't you so- say that about
0: recruitment when you first
1: joined? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting about recruitment. So when I told my mum I got a job in recruitment, she was like, oh, great. Well, you know, that's, that's really nice. When are you going to get a proper job? And And actually, it was only when I think Ouch. bought flat... Parked a few, you know, nice company cars on the drive at home. Um, that she's like, actually, it's probably all right. So um, she sort of got it in the end. But like everyone, I fell into it. So I had mates at Computer Futures and a, a friend at Progressive. And I just knew I could sell better than them, and they were doing really well. And it's so a big old like
0: pit, isn't it? The recruitment that that keeps
1: that keeps tripping people into
0: it. It's like a it's like a quicksand of. Of the the kind of the working world isn 't it um, everyone kind of yeah. just
1: falls into it and then they just get stuck in it it 's a perfect career for someone who doesn 't know what they want to do um, because <coughs> it's it's say, got-
2: sales in general <laughs> is ben- Benjamin Danahue, um said that recently on one of his posts. He was just like you know, everybody everybody falls into sales there 's not a single person that's like makes an active career choice to go into sales. Well, one of the things they that fall said- into it
0: and then they stay because they 're good mm. one of the things yeah. that he said about about that when he came on, on the podcast with the uh, a few months back now he was like most sales people will stay in a sales role for as long as they um, for as long as is necessary because then they'll move into a sales manager role or a sales director role or, or into a role but that
1: doesn't yeah, involve as them as actively enough, selling yeah they'll do yeah, enough they'll do selling
2: enough. to get off the phones or to get off the yeah
1: they'll do enough selling to, yeah. s- to stop selling yeah, you see that. I mean, we used to see that. You know, it was almost like um, a game of Ludo. You know, once you got past that, mm-hmm. you hands off. You know, right? You, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you finished, hit the grill. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty much done. And and that was actually and 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 actually, I, I probably non-billing manager, team manager, and director was probably a little bit too comfortable um, if, when we used to look at the um, the uh, the attrition rates of you know. Uh, sales team manager straight team leader so hands-on mm-hmm. managers, billing managers versus non-billing managers. It was night and day different. We'd we'd lose at S three, maybe thirty forty percent churn on that level, that sales team manager level. Versus once people had got through to non-billing manager, then it was almost like you know I've, I've, I've it's made the finish it. line. Yeah, 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 and the other thing we you know the other thing, and and I've probably seen this more with external companies that you know, hands off hands off. Um, billing managers, typically they they're trusted within the organisation they've grown through. It's it's more difficult to transport them to other organisations because they've probably got the reputation, they've got the kudos, they've got the support, and therefore they've been invested in. Um, but it's easy. It's 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 less easy to port them. Mm. Um, and you know, my my advice to anybody who's in a in a. Billing manager role, especially in this market, is. I just stay billing as long as you can. Um, even if you cut down the amount you do, um, it will keep you more credible to your to your people. But also as well, um, you you can hold yourself to account as well a lot easier around it. Mm, yeah, that's
0: right. well, it's tangible, isn't it? In, in in that if I mean we we we're still billing now, right? And we we look at our guys and we're just like look, we're having to run a business, a podcast, rec tools, all that sort of stuff yet we're still able to go out there and, and build money. So there's no there's no argument for them to be like, oh, the market's changed, this isn't working, that's not working, because actually we're in it and, and, mm. and we're, we're amongst it with them, which is why we never get the challenge from from any of our guys when we say, try this. There'll be a bit of pushback because they're uncomfortable doing something, but it's mm. like, we know it will work, I just don't know if I have the skill set to do it. And it just then becomes a little bit of encouragement to get them there. Whereas <coughs> we've had it before when we've worked with non-billing managers, and it's mm-hmm. like, you don't know because you haven't been in recruitment you have been actively recruited for the last 20 years how are you going to sit there and say to me send out paper mail shots and how are you going to sit there and say you need to run these reports and do this report and whatever and it's just like that doesn't work in today's world
1: no I think I think and I mean the jobs change so much so when uh, I, was, I was talking yesterday on a podcast and you know they're saying you must have seen a lot of change since 99 and actually, the thing that hasn't changed is it's still about the relationships, the methods, and the mechanisms of how you do it. The three hundred and sixty role is just so much more complicated now. Um, you've just got to be so much more organised. And and actually, I think um, it's not as so much about sales these days. It's about organisation and discipline. Whereas I think sales can get you by. You know, a good salesperson will always win through. A good organised, disciplined person will always get through if you can combine the two they'll be your top pillars yeah um but i think i think more and more it's actually it, it's actually around that organization that management and you know, process um because it, it's it's becoming more of a process role it's, it's more you know when i first started people didn't always get the concept of recruitment, What you actually pay people to find people when you yeah. just put an ad in the paper like everyone else. You know, so it was actually... Think about when the it, first time you heard about
0: Rec to that would have blown you away as well. Like, hang on, recruitment companies who are paid to find people have to pay somebody to find their recruiters?
1: Yeah, yeah it <laughs> that, did, did blow my mind a little bit. So, <laughs> you sort of, But you sort of get that, and... Um, yeah, R- Rectorex is an interesting one for me. Um, obviously, I'm a business partner with Rectorex, so I've 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 had a bit more insight insight into this this world. And one of the challenges that I was here is well, why did you you know why do you need to use a Rectorex? You could have just come to us for the and, and and it goes the same. Why do you use a recruitment company? Could have could have mm-hmm. could have just gone the same. But what actually I do like about what Rectorex do give is it, it's not just around the finding; it's about the representation as well. So. I'm terrible at negotiating my own stuff. I put myself as a good negotiator around other people's stuff, around companies' money, but when it comes to my stuff, I'm not great. So I'd love to be represented by someone who I knew was in my corner trying to get a bigger fee for themselves. Yeah. And so I do I do sort of get that it's it's about that. But, yeah, it was a bit of a foreign concept when I first... There's, a, there's, there's loads of... <coughs> oh, when
2: Rectorex is done right, there's loads of benefits to it, isn't there, mm. in, in the yeah you know, as and a actually, recruitment business owner I, I, yeah, I could go and find my my own biller, but that's time, and like and I, m- I money set, away from your yeah, desk yeah, right? That, yeah that's time yeah. I have to set aside um, which I'd much rather give to somebody who is already two or three steps ahead because this person already has a network of people, uh you know, a bank of registered candidates that they're working with actively at the moment, or a, you know a a kind of passive list of candidates who for the right thing would move. But actually, you're already industry, two steps ahead, aren't you? So why, why you know? and,
0: and within our industry, we should be advocating the use of, of outsourced services anyway, because that's mm-hmm. what we are. Like, we're, we're an outsourced service as recruiters. So there's no reason why we shouldn't buy into what RetroRex Yeah, I always
2: find that funny when you've got an agency recruiter, or an agency business owner that's all. Like, now I don't use RetroRex. It's just like, it's just such a weird mentality. How do you sell your business then? Like, you know, oh, I don't use agencies. I don't use agencies. You know, it's just yeah, yeah. You're yeah. an outsourced service that
0: won't use an outsourced service yeah. it makes very little sense. So Andy, going back to your your framework then. So obviously we've got the North Star then, so the recruitment business is <coughs> excuse me. The recruitment business is looking to um grow over the next sort of four or five years and, and I've got a plan in my head that um I don't know, my, my, my reasons for growth is that I want to make my industry a better place. I wanna I wanna hire a few people, I wanna get myself to a point where I'm now leading a a reasonable size business and, and that that gives me my kicks, right? So my reasons for scaling are, are exactly that. So I've got my North Star. Now <clears throat> having that kind of goal isn't isn't kind of the that's almost a target, right? What's what's the steps that I need to then start putting into place to, to start putting myself in a situation
1: where I can achieve that. Yeah, so along the way, you, you've got different inflection points. So, you know, the, the, there'll be around the, you know, at what point do I get an office? At what point do I hire? At what point do I, you know, do I, do I, if, I if I'm doing contract, do I do perm? Do I, If I'm doing permanent, do I do contract? What point do I go internationally? So it's understanding um, all of those points and the best companies I've seen put in tests. So they say, at this point, this is what we're going to do. So when we hit this, when we hit, you know, um, you know this yield, then we'll open this. Then we'll do this. When, when we've got the right person to do this, we will do this. And they're just very, very planned and pretty you know, military planned on how they're going to do that. And again, going back to that, they won't just see someone you know come in, you know, who might be able to help them and might be a bit of a gamble. They'll just wait till they're they're certain about it. Maybe we, maybe if we're going to the US, we build up that market from the UK. And we do it for six months, and until we've got X amount of revenue, X amount of customers, we'll, and then we'll start looking, and then we'll find where we should go. As opposed to having, I'm going to this place, this place. Where's the market for us? So, those those are the those are the companies that I see do really well. They're they're constantly growing, but they're very disciplined about about that growth.
0: Right. So it sounds like a lot of it then is is down to literally the the planning and organisation, right? And and being true to kind of what you've that that the. the, the the kind of steps that you've set for yourself.
1: Is that fair? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and, and where I've seen, you know, people who've, who've executed that amazingly, um, Sean Wordsworth with Frank group was a really good example. Sean was really clear what he was going to do. Um, you know, he had a, you know, every, you know, he, he set that business up and, you know, everything he did, You know, the best piece of advice I could give to people who are looking to exit their business is what Sean told me which was, day one, start your data room, you know, every piece of thing, you know, when someone wants to acquire a business they want to know everything about your business so everything you do should bear scrutiny to that and you should be able to explain all your decisions go through and just make yourself easily viable basically, and he yeah. did pretty well out of it so well, into in today's market though it's slightly more challenging
0: right because we've got being able to scale a recruitment business is a, is a little bit hard because the good billers out there are now starting to set up on their own right and there's a lot of rectorex out there and there's a lot of uh, there's, there's certainly from from rectors we've seen an increase in in incubator businesses who who are offering good billers the opportunity to just
1: set it up for themselves so how how would how would you navigate your way around that how do you how do you Kind of. I think it's always been the case. I mean, recruitment's a relatively low barrier to entry business. Um, probably, probably. Um, when I think back, things like LinkedIn have, you know, effectively made people's databases very, very similar in the same way the job boards and the CV job board databases did. But I, I think it's always been around. What's interesting for me is the various different funding models and 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 some of these deals that are out there with incubators you're like right okay well actually whose business is it and are you yeah. just literally swapping one form of employment for another oh, yeah. so i just be really clear if you are looking to set up your own business then be really clear that you're happy with the levels of t- you know certain certain you know i i would generally um avoid long contracts where you can um and what's I a would- long
2: contract in 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 that
1: term so, you know, some of the deals you see lock people in three, four, five years mm-hmm. um, on certain things. Now, that looks really attractive up front. A bit like giving away equity up front, but it comes really expensive later. So, you know, when you're not making any money, that's great. It's, you know, yeah. cover of that. But once you start to really scale and grow, um, it's like that. So, yeah, yeah, the other thing I would say as well is be, be really clear what you're going to do. And I would say to people starting their own business what are you taking investment for? Or what are you taking support and incubator for? That you know, what are they giving you, and what's the cost of that? So if you actually had to just take out a loan and pay that cost, you know, what would that be versus? You know, that. Mm-hmm. So you're saving equity. or are saving, you know, revenue turnover for a for an, for a number of years.
0: And also, what a lot, of, not a lot of recruiters know about is is that there are things like invoice finance and invoice discount available, for for them to to fund their their attempts and and be able to get cash flow in quite quickly so your your investment into your own business isn't actually that high short your own base salary because really what you're looking at is if you want access to a job board or linkedin recruit or something like that a couple of thousand for the year would probably get you covered with some with some advert access hmm. but there's so many free to use softwares out there as well because you don't need a big fancy crm you there's there's loads of good free to use ones and actually you could probably run out of an excel spreadsheet to yeah start but the with. Ge-
2: yeah the gen- general trend is that you've got a a big biller sat in a big business that's used to using a certain tech stack, and therefore, almost convinces himself or herself that they need that tech stack to continue those billings. Um, and because it's almost like they can't distinguish between, you know, the the, the over reliance on the tech stack, well, whereas weird. historically that wasn't the case. Because I mean, there's been a boom in tech and, and and sort of the amount of technology that's out there, automation that's out there. Um, historically, it was a lot easier to be like, now all I need is my phone, my laptop, and a CR- somewhere to dump my data and I can do this. Mm. Now, it's a lot more like, well, now I need an outreach uh, outreach plan. LinkedIn, I can't do it without LinkedIn. I can't do it without a job board. I can't do it without a, a CV database. Um, you've got CRM providers that will say, oh, for startups, we actually fill your database with data. Yeah. And then, oh, I need data to start with then. I didn't think of that. And then that kind of makes it all the more kind of enticing to then go with a incubator model of you'll do my invoicing for me won't you because i don't know how to do that and you'll do my credit control for me won't you because i don't know how to do that and you'll do my accounts for me at the end of the year because i don't know how to do that
0: and you're and it's a almost crm and yeah and me yeah and it's almost and like practice. the
2: question that that really these people should be asking themselves is are you just fed up with your job or do you yeah. actually want to run a business you know what i mean
1: so i think some of the so i mean um we're We're partnered up with workwell outsourcing, who recently t boss so you know they they generally help mm. those recruiters do that um but it's based on what you earn as opposed to the whole you know we're gonna take equity or we're going to take you know x percent you know for you know number of years of your, your turnover yeah. and effectively you know they cover that i mean i would say the things you should outsource is a bit you know, typically if you you want to be billing okay so the things yeah. you should outsource accountancy. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Get yourself either a good accountant mm-hmm. and there's specialists out there. I wouldn't necessarily go High Street. I'd go to specialist accountants for recruitment firms. There's, there's a few yep. of them out there. Um, I'd, I'd do that. Um, secondly, I, I think on the tech stack side of things, I, I, I think you can build a better tax stack for a couple of hundred pounds a month than most of the big organisations with massive technical agree. debt because you're starting afresh and the world's moved on. And you know, if you look at even, I was super lucky because my last job at S three, I was doing startups. Um, We we worked on new ventures. We built a video product. um, We built two um, platforms. But the great thing we did was we were able to separate ourselves out from the organizations so you know we weren't on their system you know we weren't even in the offices most of the time you know we bought macbooks just so we could be different yeah and <laughs> but you know things out there that we were able to deploy that day like slack um we'd use monday we'd use um um you know just um yeah, we'd, we'd spin up QuickBooks to do um, to do the invoicing. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, so it it was just amazing how quickly, unencumbered by that. You know, we we didn't have to go through the firewall. You know, we just hook into Wi-Fi, and we we just work on Google. Um, so actually, new business, it's it's actually very easy. I was speaking to someone yesterday who's starting their own consulting firm, and you know, just went through the no. This is what you need: get yourself a decent accountant. Um. Probably a Zoom subscription, um, Calendly so it all books in. Get someone to spin up your website. Probably go and do a social media course. You know, business media course. One of the academies like Sean at Hoxo does. You know that type of thing, and then you're good to go. Mm-hmm. You know, you're absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's tried and trusted. There's enough people doing it that, yeah. um, that that you can see. So, I think I think from my perspective, people shouldn't be scared. Um, and I think it's that imposter syndrome. I'm coming out of a big company. Look, I had it massively. Came out of a big company, and it's like, am I going to be okay? And it's a big, you know, if I don't have, you know, the system that I was using there, um, yeah, then, you know, am I going to be okay? So uh, apparently when you know, lots of people left S3 and start, started up their own businesses, but Bond, Ad- Bond who used to run Ad- uh, Adapt, um, bought sonic software easy access and apparently everyone who left s3 just wanted easy access sonic easy access and but also as well a lot of people that left the thing they most um missed was apollo apollo was the um, search system that searched for candidates right still don't think i've seen anything that you know quite does what that does um but you know, it wasn't the CRM. The CRM was Siebel, and the CRM was Salesforce. Subsequently, but it was the, the most important thing was that search thing, um, that search you know, machine that we uh, we built. So, get yourself comfortable about finding candidates, because ultimately that's what it's about. As long mm-hmm. as you're comfortable finding candidates, the rest of these things will follow. But with the barrier being that easy to set up a a recruitment business now, right?
0: Why why bother working for somebody else? Because the reality is, if you're, if you even if you went lifestyle, if you went totally, totally lifestyle, and think, okay, do you know what? I'm going to open up a business and I'm going to work half nine after I drop the kids off, and I'll finish at three o'clock so I can pick the kids up, or I'm just going to do the odd hours here and there. I'll still earn as much as what I'm earning um, where where I currently am. Insert big business here. Why why bother putting yourself through, through kind of the the pressures and targets of working for a big corporate or even a, a, another agency? when you could just do it yourself. And then does that not hinder then the opportunity to scale and grow for businesses
1: already out there? I, I don't think so. Um, I, I think I think this, both options are valid. I mean, I I worked at, um, for 20 years and people you know, like, look at me like I'm mad, but I basically have five different careers. And for me, that was challenging. I'd never have got to work on the projects I did. I'd never have got to work on the international projects I did. I'd never, you know, get to work on, you know, effectively building the strategy for 11,000 contractors, you know, had, you know, I started my own business. So for me, it was a bit like, you know, I was was probably at the biggest football team, but generally on the bench, as opposed to, you know, running my, you know, running my own league one team or something like that, you know, so owning my own league one. So it was, it was for me and yeah, maybe an opportunity thing. A lot of people I knew when and set up and have been really successful. Um, you know, the ones that won't never tell you, and uh, generally they'll end up somewhere. But the, the thing I don't get, if I'm honest, is where people jump from the same job to the same job, same company. I, I don't get where people leave a business because they, you know, they didn't enjoy the role, think they'll go to another firm they don't enjoy the role, you know, guess what guys, it's probably not for you. And it's those recruiters that for me, that, that move around, you see them, you know, you look at their profiles every year and, you know, they interview really well because they probably interview a lot, but you know, they, they, you know, they're the ones for me that I I don't mind people who stay in roles or stay in roles for a long time and then move for progression. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's the ones that move around. Just, just, yeah, just decide.
0: Yeah, I get that. I guess the, um, the the challenge is now with what you were saying it before about kind of work life balance well being all of that sort of stuff is really at the forefront of everybody's mind so is it possible now for for an agency to kind of bring bring about the right level of talent to to get themselves to a point where they're like right I can now scale and grow I can get to 50 I can get to enterprise I can I can get to a reasonable size for me to be able to to kind of achieve the things personally, financially, however they want to do it, based on, on the talent pool that's out there. Is, is, is that possible still now, or do you think that part of the
1: market has started to dwindle away? No, I think it's really possible. I mean, there's, there's, there's examples all over our groups of people who've done it. So it is possible. I guess if I'm to say what marks them out is they're really clear on their, they're really clear on their, their strategy. They're really clear on what they do. They're, they're very sophisticated in how they hire. And they're just very good at what they what they do. But um, and most of those have grown organically as well. Um, they've they've done it steadily. But <coughs> a great culture is attractive to people. When people come in, see an organisation that's growing, they'll join it. I think I think for me as well, an organisation. I yeah you know, I don't know about you guys, but I actually learnt recruitment in the pub. So actually, everyone was a bit too busy during the day to help you. But you actually learnt a lot more by becoming part of it and my advice to anybody either starting a business or starting in recruitment is just to immerse yourself and it's not a job you need to treat it like a a lifestyle lifestyle, like an industry and until you get really good at it and then feel free to you know sort of back off check out a little bit but um unless you're all in on it it's it's a very tough job and you've 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 got to you've got to enjoy it
0: yeah and I think that touches on your point at the start isn't it where People fall into recruitment, generally speaking, and there's very few people who stay in there for 5, 10, 20 years because you you really have to enjoy it. Because of the how high the highs are and how low the lows are, you really kind of have got to want to do it. And I think where we've lost most of our, our, our team was when we brought in people who we kind of took a punt on, didn't we? In that, yeah, yeah you're not quite yeah, a recruit, m- but m- yeah, we think... And also we sold to, the dream to
2: them, right? Um, And sold the opportunity to them. because yeah
0: it's it's
2: a tough one because i think there's there's so many factors that go into making a like successful well what, what does that word mean but a successful recruitment consultant right in the I, I joined recruitment and i had a ton of debt we'd just got married i had like i, I wanted to we were planning a family you know and my motivators were, right, I get to work in an office Monday to Friday, nine to five or half eight till six, whatever it was back in where it was. And it's uncapped commission. And that was my driver. I could have been selling goats. I could have been selling cars. I could have been selling yachts. I could have been selling people. It did not matter to me. What mattered to me was, is this a vehicle for me to be where I am now and get out of the the overdraft cycle and the credit card loans and all the rest of it? Is this, is this my route out? And for me, it was. Mm. And then, as I went through that, I was kind of like, "Oh, hang on! I actually quite enjoy being in a position where I've now cleared off, I cleared off what were my liabilities, and actually, I'm having, I've got money in the bank. That's a rare feeling, you know. I'm not having to like check the bill when I order, like when I ask for it and stuff. This is nice. Yeah. And that continued to kind of motivate me until eventually, I got to a point where. That wasn't enough. The money was the money. The money's fine, whatever. But actually, I'm not feeling fulfilled in doing this. I want to kind of do this for myself because I've got a new goal now. But I think just because that worked for me, where, we're, where I, I, I know where I went wrong in terms of the, the kind of people that we were interviewing and stuff, it was I was selling on my dream. Yeah, yeah. This is what it did to me. This is what it did for me. It could do the same for you. And then you end up taking a punt on someone who you look at and think, oh, this person reminds me of me. Oh, they're kind of in the shit a little bit. And actually, what a great opportunity. And you do it for all the right reasons. And then they fail or they don't do well. And you sit there and think, "Like, fuck's sake. It's just not working. It's not working. Our hiring strategy is wrong and that kind of thing. But
1: But you've you've got to have a reason to do it. And you're absolutely spot on. I mean, I remember when I started, I was on the 10K base. Um, they did guarantee me to 12 for three months though luckily um, and then, then they <laughs> put it up after a little bit bless them um, but I was working in the city of London so I was living in Reading um, where I went to university so sort of still in student mates digs um, commuting hour and a half each way um, but at the weekends I'd go in I had my season ticket so I'd just go in and you know I, I, you know we used to code up CVs. So basically what that meant was you'd print them out and you'd take your highlights and you just put the skills and then you'd go and key them into the, um, into the database. Because I knew that on contracts, I needed to have those contractors ready to go. So who's available? That's great because I haven't got you know time to be doing this next week. I think the other thing that I found as well is, the more you put into it, you get better at it quick okay and you don't almost have time to think about it and then you know if you if you're riding a recruitment wave you've got some great incentives generally you're surrounded by good like-minded people you'll enjoy it the dip for me probably came where I was uh, you know, probably earning the most amount of money um, probably I'd come off a quite a big success and then you know people started to leave and then suddenly it's like oh, I've got to rebuild and I think the difference for me is that i just had always you know, had great managers mm-hmm. I, I really did i mean I, I was hired by a guy called mike smith who was utterly amazing um he was you know, he became uk director um gary olden obviously at huxley scott fulton was my first manager when i started huxley americas um uh, natasha clark who founded pathway steve quinn um who was the ceo of the group and now runs a couple of businesses so just all in all fantastic people to work mm. with and you're always learning off those people and and I think sometimes people don't leave the organisations, they'll, they'll leave their managers and what you're saying about <coughs> it being their dream is super important as well um, and what I found actually very different actually is, is maybe it's a generational thing and maybe everyone says this when they get to my age, it's not like it was back in the day but Actually, I think, I think the people who entry-level into recruitment have so many more options now. And actually, the bank of mum and dad seems a lot more generous these days than it did in, in mine. And, you know, I, I find that, you know... I think it has to be. Yeah, but, it, it has to be. But, but yeah, people can't rent or they can't... But, you know, the, the number of my advisories, you know, consultants, been there six months, hasn't quite worked out sort of you know have the little walk around the car park or maybe the formal thing and they're like oh that's fine I'm just going to go travelling then you know it's like right okay you know it's like they don't you know so I I would what you talked about was right you know what what do people need the role why do they want to do it because it will get tough Um, and you know I was luckier than when it did get tough for me and when I wasn't enjoying it I had some you know really good people who spotted that and moved me into a role where I was going to enjoy it Mm -hmm. and actually you know I wasn't enjoying it. I don't think people are enjoying me. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I was lucky that they. So we tried this,
2: and even then, it doesn't always work out, does it? We, we talk, we've taken people and gone right. This isn't quite maybe doing it for you. Let's put you onto this type of desk, or in fact, let's move you away from recruitment and put you onto this sort of. Or move you into. And then eventually, because, that yeah that, exactly. yeah, that route is essentially <laughs> <laughs> like out the door. You know? Cause yeah. It's yeah. Like, Look. I think. And, the, and, the, yeah, and I think... you're right. They don't seem as. I mean, when when we were that age, if if I lost my job, which I did a number of times. I was devastated whereas they just don't seem to be that bothered but I think there is a reason for that I, th- I think there's, it's a lot, there's, a, it, there's a lot more to it it's a lot more nuance isn't it which we've, we've talked about on other podcasts and stuff
0: yeah I think look, the, the, the truth of the matter is you, you hit the nail on the head in that you've, you've got to want to do recruitment it's, it's too I mean, nobody wants to do recruitment no, no, but, not even uh, recruiters want to do recruitment no, but, that's but, why they don't pick up the phone no, but the, uh, the, but this is the point though. The ones that don't pick up the phone, they don't want to do it. Yeah. They're, but there are there are good consultants out there, and there are people like Steve Guest, for example, who still is an an active recruiter, having achieved what he's achieved and doing what he's mm-hmm. doing. He could have quite easily been like, yeah, do you know what, gloves are off now. I don't need to do it anymore. Oh, we still do it. I'm going to hang up my my, yeah, my we, mobile we still phone. We,
2: run, we we still run active desks. But that's because, Not because we, we, we have to because we want to. We enjoy it. Because we could easily just be like, oh, do you know, what? No, no, we'll just hire somebody else in and, and, and I'll, I'll just manage them a bit closer or whatever. We do it because we enjoy doing it. But
1: yeah. R- recruit- just... Recruitment's probably <laughs> one of the easier jobs that I had. Um, you know, you, yeah. I worked on a farm, you know, was a paper boy, you know, I worked in retail, you know, at least you don't have to work Saturdays in recruitment. Yeah. I saw so,
0: until, genuinely, <laughs> until he phoned me, right? Because he, so we, we worked in banking together, right? And... He left and, and, and kind of stayed in banking. Eventually, when went into into recruitment. I left banking and went into the motor trade, selling cars. Right, so m- my entire sales life has been mobile phone sales, um, which was Saturdays, Sundays, and bank holidays and all that sort of stuff. Car sales, or even even um, banking was the Saturdays banking weekends, and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And then and then car sales was. Uh, every every single day that you can you can possibly spare. To the point where I'd have to go in on my days off to hand over cars because you wouldn't trust that somebody was gonna do it for you. So <clears throat> he calls me the one day and he's like, Mate, do you wanna go for a beer? And I'm like, nah, it's Saturday, bro, I've got like I've got to put the cars away still. It's like seven o'clock, I've got to put the cars away and then I got to work tomorrow as well. He was like on a Sunday and I was like, Yeah And he's like, Come to recruitment. It's business hours. Monday to Friday, nine till five or eight till six or whatever it was. <clears throat> And he's like, you get every bank holiday off, you get weekends off, you get this, this, and this. And I was like, there are sales jobs where you don't have to work weekends. And he was like, yeah, I'm in one now. And that to me was like, hang on, I can continue doing what I'm doing because I enjoy selling, but I can do it where I actually get a better work-life balance. And that for me is like, my Mm. work-life balance already already exists because I've I've given up working the weekends and the bank holidays Mm. and the New Year's Eve and the Christmas Eve and all that sort of stuff. Whereas I think in today's world... The, the expectation is no 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 I my free time is my free time like I'm not prepared to give that up I'm not prepared to work past five o'clock or past six o'clock I'm not prepared to pick up the phone before I get to work I mean you probably come from that time where
1: you'd be on the phone while you're travelling into work or travelling back out of work yeah but but that's because you want to so I think I think you know the, the 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 big change for me I I sort of saw was that there used to be a bravado right the top biller would be the first of the bar and there was a kudos for being first of the bar right mm-hmm. now I see it it's like the top biller will open the door so the guy with the company credit card can get through <laughs> yeah. so it, it it's a bit of a change in terms of that sort of mindset and I actually think it's I, I actually put the square blame at end clients who've driven value out of the process because what what's what's actually happened is they've they've driven a lot of the the value out of it you know it's a bit of a you know fees being pushed down there's obviously commoditization so it's a little bit of a race you know race to the bottom in terms of you know the ability to do a do a do a job so i think in a lot of ways what hasn't changed is the amount of billings so even with the massive salary changes you've seen recruiters haven't actually changed you know that sort of average of like 120 a year probably hasn't changed in that you know in At least a decade. At least a decade. At least a decade, yeah. But But that 120 isn't worth as much as it was... No, no, ago. no, when
2: that when everything else costs more.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, I remember having a chat s three and we we were changing the, the the commission structure, and you know, if you look to what the founders used to do, you know they'd bill they'd they'd make a couple of hundred grand a year and you know drive a porsche mm-hmm. when we we looked at what the actual recruiters did, um they probably earned thirty five k a year and got the bus home, you know to their parents. so it's very much a changing it it, it has been very much a changing what as you know as the market's commoditized as you'd ex- expect. That's why the best companies and the best billers are generally the ones that find that blue ocean or find that niche, find um generally that area of expertise where they're not up against everyone else or, you know, if they are, you know, they're very credible and it, it's not as congested, not as and, and that's why you've seen the gold rush to, to the States. You know, people have, you know, started mm-hmm. their businesses in the States. My advice to people would be definitely look at the States why wouldn't you the fees are higher um the you know the opportunity is big the competition isn't there don't get me wrong it's not easy it's it's really really not easy but but it's not easy here but from a market it's certainly not it's
2: it's sort of there's just more opportunity it there's a lot more people
0: there's a lot more businesses and there's a lot less of us yeah so it kind
2: of makes sense not to
0: yeah but there and to be honest there's a lot of people leaving the recruitment industry altogether as well, though, there? mm. Like there's some really experienced recruiters that that we know of. I mean, the, the likes of Dave Birch, for example, who mm. was a who was a really experienced recruiter for some big, big brands like Marco Page, Rob Bolton, these these sort of businesses, totally left recruitment altogether. And within that as well, you've got you've got other people who. It's like gambling, mate. When it stops being fun, stop. And when recruitment stops being fun, stop. That's it, yeah. yeah, but you there's a lot of people anymore, leaving. Get out of the industry. There's a lot of people leaving the industry and is there did you see any kind of correction going in there do you think that that will
1: then introduce higher fees do you think it will add more value to what we do i think i think what you're seeing i mean the 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 biggest issue recruitment companies are facing now is cash flow so actually what you're going to see is a correction in the market of um it it probably started post-covid um that sort of bump you know um low interest rates, cheap government money, um, everyone hiring, we're free, we can do this. And you saw you know, a whole number of firms basically bringing people to fill jobs. Mm-hmm. Now the jobs aren't available. And this started happening end of Q2 last year. And you know, when I'm looking at my advisories, the data was all saying your jobs are trending down. Oh, it's Easter, it's this. It, it, it wasn't. You know, the, the, the facts were the, were the facts. So... The last things to wash through are placements and rev and billing, Um, but it was in the post. You could you could see, and a lot of a lot of companies hired big. Potentially, some of them overpaid, and now they're suffering as a a result of that. I I generally always look at what the big companies are doing because their data is on point. So if you look at Page Waters Mm S three, they generally I I think they're ahead of the curve because they 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 did their cuts. A lot earlier than everyone else mm. and actually now they're hiring which says because you know i i think you know in line with what we're seeing it's an improving market but again they're 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 ahead of that curve whereas i think a lot of people who are not experienced at trusting data or indeed being through these cycles um you know i've been through four recessions in this in this industry <clears throat> and it always ends up the same way um everyone's just chasing the wave but they're always six months behind it. So, how can you get there? How can you be on point? And, and for me, it's about knowing your metrics, knowing your yields, knowing your data.
0: Hmm. Okay. So, Andy, if if a recruiter needs an advisor uh, needs an advisor like yourself, or if they're if they're in a position where they're like, look, I've got a direction that I think I want to go in, but I need somebody like Andy to to kind of support me through that.
1: How, how do they get in touch? Um, well, they can contact me on LinkedIn. But what I would say about advisories is be really clear of what you want advice on. So choosing um, choosing a strategic advisor and NED is is a very personal thing. So mm. work you know work out where your weak spots are. Um, one of the best pieces of advice I got was from a lady called Victoria Maloney. who's one of the best people I've ever worked with, and she went into consultancy maybe two or three years before me, and her advice is just stick with what you're good at stick with what you know and just be really good at that and and what i've actually found is that you you actually you know i've talked to people and they're looking for an advisor and i'm not the best person but i've put them i know someone who's better than me in in this area and and that's really really powerful but i i would also say getting an advisor is to sort of cover your your blind spots what is you need and an, an advisor would also be think of them more like a personal trainer they they should if they're a good advisor be holding you to account. So we talked about that. You know, you say you're going to do this when you're a business owner, you say you're going to do it. If it doesn't happen, you've got no one beating you up. Yeah. Whereas when you're a recruiter, you've got your right. team leader beating you up, who's being beaten up by their manager, by their director, yeah, by the manager, yeah. and and these the days the chain of asking. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, these days the PE firm, so yeah. uh, right right at the top. So. Um, yeah, so so just be really clear what it is um, you're getting. But the other the other thing I would say is don't look at it as a cost. Look at it as an investment. Because although an advisor, when you're starting up or when you're scaling up, will be will seem costly. You know, in ten years, if you want to sell your business for millions of pounds, that's going to be the best investment you can make. So mm. I would say I, I I generally when I do prospect calls, I know the people are going to work with me because they're either seeing me as a cost, in which case the chances are they won't. Or they see me as an investment to get to where they want to, and that typically is is where I sort of see the see the difference. It's a mindset, isn't it? Well, also, we we were talking about this before, weren't we? In that
0: you you've got to be able to go into any sort of meeting with with whoever, be it on a podcast, be it a phone call, Zoom call, whatever, trying to get something out of that. And if, if your mindset going in there is I know everything. I, there's nothing I can learn here. Yeah. You, you're not going to be able to advise anybody on that, and actually, you're not. You're not going to. You're not going to last very long in, in kind of what you're doing, are you? Because no. you're going to be so blinkered in my way is the right way of doing it.
1: Yeah, right, so. I was asked by um, someone to go and talk to one of their one of their directors with a view to coaching, and I came out and just said they can't be coached. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like, just like, they, they won't listen to me, you know, don't you know? I don't want to spend my time just wasting your money. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, they, they, the wall, yeah, you? They, 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 they won't. So sometimes, I think I think the most important thing, you know, being an advisor as well, <coughs> you have to love it. So in the same way, you have to enjoy recruitment. You yeah. have to enjoy the people you're advising um, and you have to be on, believe in their journey as well because you can't sit there and fake fake that. You've got to believe in their journey. You've got to, Be with them as one, and you've got to, you know. For me as well, you've got to just. You've got to be invested in that brand just as Mm. much as as they're invested in you, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So, have you got capacity to take on new new clients? You know what, all good advisors say there's always room for one. So, um, <laughs> you know, no, I mean, generally, um, my, my, you know, I've, I've got a mixture of retain and, and projects. So, you know, as projects roll off, um, you know, I'm generally being very lucky that I've, I've, I've always been pretty full. So, um, but, you know, if I've not got capacity, then there's some really good people in the industry I can always yeah, put you connected in enough touch. to be able to. Yeah, yeah. and... Um, we probably, well, we will be um, at required building an NED panel. Um, we've got a few on board already, and we'll be announcing that. But we've got some really credible NEDs who are literally brilliant in their space. Yeah. So you know we'll be and we'll be doing similar to this. We're going to be doing some more of the podcasts um, that we do, and you know people can can listen in to to get that get that advice. Brilliant. Are you looking, guys? Do you need some support? Some we need all the support anybody can give us. Like yeah. God,
0: God knows how we've lasted this long. <laughs> yeah, sure. We yeah, yeah. Sure. a prayer.
1: Maybe I'll do a session on scaling up for you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're happy to have that. About yeah. winding
2: down. <laughs> no,
1: you don't want to do that at the moment. So. A fair few doing that. So.
2: We'll be the 0.2 in that 1%. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. If uh, you've got uh, a really cool. clear reason, I mean, it, it's really interesting. I just don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> You're, you want to live out in the wilderness in a <laughs> yeah, cabin somewhere.
2: Get, get me off the hamster wheel.
1: But I really enjoy what you're doing with the you know, the the actual, you know, getting in the studio, the rec talk. And I think going back to that point around discipline, I think a lot of people will start doing this or they'll start doing a podcast or they'll start posting on LinkedIn. They just give up. You've got yeah. to, you know, you've probably getting the, the, the num- yeah. numbers you are now because, okay, yeah. and, you know, Everyone gets better and better. Everyone gets easier and easier.
2: That's right. Exactly. No, that's right. No. Well, lot. Really appreciate you uh, making the journey today. Yeah, likewise it. cool. cool. questions. Yeah, right.
0: Thanks for Thanks right. for coming on. Thank you. See you, Cheers. Cheers, Andy.